Our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain. For he had been often restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was there feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down to the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it to the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood, for he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed in demons begged him that he might go with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown for you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, and thank you again for choosing to worship with us this morning. I want to give you a brief update on our task force, our COVID-19 task force. We continue to meet regularly, and we are continuing to monitor the numbers and to find the best pathway forward for Ashland Place to recongregate and have in-person, inside, indoor meetings and, and worship services. But as if you've been watching uh, the numbers with us, you know that the numbers have been going up instead of remaining um, stable or declining, which we are looking for a decline. And so as we continue to watch, we continue to look for that um, consistent decline. And so until we see that, we anticipate being virtual only. And um, to go along with that, though, to give us some in-person experience, we are going to offer, again, an in-person um, outdoor service on July the 26th. It will be a, um, a drive-up service. We'll offer communion and have a little more involved service than we did last time at the end of June. Um, but we hope you will join us for this in-person service outdoors July the 26th at 7 o'clock on the west side of the building in the west side parking lot, the Fellowship Hall parking lot. 
Um, as we gather, you'll be given uh, a cup and um, wafer as you come in the parking lot. And then as you uh, find your parking place, we'll have an FM transmitter set up for you to remain in your cars and join us in the worship. So I hope you will make plans to join us on July the 26th at 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall parking lot for communion service, drive up, outdoor, in-person service. Um, continuing our service this morning and in our uh, sermon series, Beyond the Walls, you'll notice we're in a different location. We're at uh, Pine Crest Cemetery, and um, it's a beautiful location. Um, very warm, and we're at the edge of the Brooklyn Field airstrip. So every now and again, you may hear a, a jet flyer, which just happened and scared the daylights out of the three of us. Um, but just bear with us as we continue this sermon series here in this particular locale, Beyond the Walls. This morning, we're talking about healing beyond the walls as we follow Jesus and his ministry outside the walls of Jerusalem, outside the walls of safety and security, outside the walls of his uh, familiarity and comfort. All of this happens beyond the walls. And as we consider this series and consider each week, think about Think about what it means to go beyond, to find ourselves, as, as Kristen talked about last week, being called beyond the walls, that we are called to, 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 to live and to minister and serve and, and to be outside these walls, the walls that where we find comfort and we find security and safety and peace and familiar. And all that has been changed. The walls have been torn down in front of us and before us and now we find ourselves in this pandemic, in this season, we find ourselves beyond the walls of familiar and the walls of security and safety and peace. So as we continue to move forward in this series today, we're going to talk about healing and how Jesus was in ministry of healing and providing peace and providing strength and redemption and salvation beyond the walls, beyond the walls of his security and his disciples' comfort and the people who he um, encountered they were all beyond their walls of what was familiar and what was safe. You know, we, we began this morning's um, service with a reading from Jeremiah. It's a powerful um, passage. And the, the chapter 8 of, of Jeremiah is just a strong passage. We find the prophet um, there in Jerusalem and Judah. Um, the, the Babylonians have come, they have besieged the city, they have conquered the city, they have torn down the defensive walls and the defenses of the capital city of, of Judah, Jerusalem, and they have sacked the city, they have plundered, they have um, looted the temple and have just left everything in shambles and in rubble, and they've deported a good number of the people out of Jerusalem, out of Judah, and into scattered across the Babylonian Empire. And we find Jeremiah standing on the edge of the city, in the, along the walls, where the walls once stood. And he's looking out across the city at these smoldering ashes and, and people who are left destitute and powerless and vulnerable. And he cries out to God on their behalf. He echoes the call of the people. Why has this happened? Where are you, God? In the, in the middle of this world, the middle of this great catastrophe, this disaster, this utter defeat at a more powerful empire, where is God now? Where was God when the enemy approached our gates? Where has God been as we were utterly destroyed and left with nothing? 
with no sense of security, no safety, no, no peace, no comfort. Everything has been stripped away. Where is God? So I can just imagine Jeremiah standing amidst all this rubble and looking out across the valley towards the north, east, looking out towards the, 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 the Jordan River Valley and towards the Sea of Galilee, just stretching his, straining his eyes to see that line of deportees and refugees leaving Judah, making their way into Babylon, where they will eventually cross the Jordan River and be in the trans, what's called the Transjordan area, what is today Jordan and Syria. And they'll find themselves in Gilead, passing through this mountainous country that was once at that time probably very well forested, an enormous forest with, with lots of medicinal plants. And, and Jeremiah knew it. So it, with Jeremiah could, could strain and see and follow this line, this marching line of deportees and refugees as they made their way out of Judah and they made their way across the Jordan River Valley and they made their way into what we call today Jordan and Syria, what was then called Transjordan and was called Gilead. And Gilead was this, was this wonderful, uh, well-forested, mountainous range that had all kinds of medicinal plants there that, that it was well-known in that ancient time. And so Jeremiah is there and he's standing in the midst of this rubble and he's watching and he's actually trying to be with, with the mind and the body of all of his people who are making their way into Gilead. And as they pass through this well-known country, he asks aloud, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no healing? Is there no relief in this country beyond the walls that we have left, beyond the security we have been forced out of, beyond the familiar that we no longer see? Is there any relief? God, where are you in the middle of this? That's his question. That's the prophet Jeremiah's question as he echoes the concerns of his people. Is there a bomb in Gilead? And that's the question we all ask. At some point in our life, whether it's in this season or some previous season or some season we have yet to encounter, we're going to ask ourselves, where is God in the middle of this? Where is God? Where is my King? Where is my Savior? Where is the bomb of Gilead? Where is peace? Where is, where is my relief? Any kind of relief. I am in a place I've never been before. I'm in a place I don't want to be. I'm in a place that hurts. And I just want some relief. That's a beautiful passage from Jeremiah. A beautiful passage about being beyond the walls. About seeking healing, seeking peace and comfort beyond the walls of what we knew, of what we were familiar, what, where we found comfort and where we found security and safety what we knew and what we were familiar with. In our Mark passage that Kristen read uh, just a few moments ago, we find Jesus in this incredible passage. Mark chapter 5 is incredible, but it's, it, what really makes this incredible and, and so powerful is we have to back up and go to chapter 4 of Mark, where we, at the end of chapter 4, Jesus climbs in a boat with his disciples. 
and they make their way across the Sea of Galilee. And, 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 and Mark tells us in chapter 4 that as evening fell, Jesus climbed in the boat with his disciples and they made their way into the sea. As they were crossing the sea, and as they made their way, a storm arose and the winds pounded and the waves pounded the boat and began to swamp the boats. And the disciples panicked with fear and they found Jesus asleep in the stern of the boat, unaware. So they arouse him and they, they awaken him and, and they ask him, they plead with him, aren't you worried about us? Aren't you, where, what are you doing? We're dying. We're, 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 we're about to go down. And we're all going to die. Can't you do something? And we're told that Jesus stirs awake and he calls out and he steals the winds and gives peace in the storm. And the disciples continue their journey. And in chapter 5, they make landfall on the other side of the shore. Some five or six miles from where they started. They finally land. It's probably still dark, probably still at night. And they climb out of their boats and they begin to walk in this new land, this land they're, they're not from. This is, this is uh, the Transjordan. This is, well, this is what was Gilead. This is the Decapolis now. This is the ten cities. These ten cities that we're not really sure which ten cities were, were, were being named. But we know they are Gentile, Greek cities. They are not Jewish cities. And so they make their way into this foreign land and they begin to, as they walk along, they find themselves walking alongside of a, a graveyard, a cemetery of tombs. And there they find this rather strange, powerful man, a naked man, bruised and bleeding from self-inflicted wounds and howling at the moon and, and yelling out to Christ and his followers. And he's just in agony. He's in pain and he lives in these caves, these limestone caves that are tombs. And he comes out and he yells and he says, what will you have to do with me, son of God? Imagine, imagine being in a foreign place, a place that you are not familiar, a place that you believe to be unclean, unfit to be basically dead and you're following your teacher and it's at night and it's dark and you realize you're walking through a cemetery and there's a madman yelling at you screaming howling howling how awful how shocking surprising how how scary that must have been this man had lost everything. This man lost a shirt from his back. He lost all sense of identity, lost his voice. He lost everything. He lost his humanity. And he's living in a place of death, the tombs. So in the mind, in the mind of a Jewish man in the first century, such an unclean place. Not only are they in a, a Gentile, Greek place, now they're in a place of the dead, a very unclean, the unclean of the unclean. And Jesus has this encounter. 
And he asks the man's name, and he, he can't even give him Jesus his name. There's no identity. There's, the man has lost literally everything. And all he can say is legion, because there are many. Legion identifies himself. Many spirits, many demons, countless demons, 6,000 demons is this man's name. 6,000 demons, because that's how many soldiers were in a Roman legion. And a regiment of the Roman army was 6,000 in a legion. So that is, that is how he identifies himself, is how he has been oppressed and undermined and stripped of everything that makes him who he is. The pain and the shame of his life living in a place of death. And this is the encounter that Jesus has beyond the walls of his what is familiar and his what is comfortable and his what is secure and safe. It is very unsafe and very unfamiliar and very painful. Jesus, in this encounter, heals the man, casts out the demons into this herd of pigs, of swine. And the, and the herd receiving these demons runs off a cliff and into the sea. Think about how this, these 20 verses, this pericope, this passage, this story, the, the, this healing of the demoniac, the healing of the madman in the, in the tombs, is bookended by a crossing of the sea by Jesus and his disciples, the crossing of, of creation's chaos, the watery depths, and how Jesus offers peace and order in the middle of it. And then on the backside, we have the demons of the, of the, of the demoniac, the legion, are cast into this swine herd, a herd of unclean animals, and they run as one unit, one body, off a cliff and into the sea, destroying all that was destroying and stripping of this man of his, of his wholeness, of, of his humanity, of his identity. Maybe in this, in these three, in these three accounts, if you, if we will, take the account of of crossing of the sea, the encounter with the demoniac, and then the healing of the demoniac, we find Jesus healing not just the demoniac, but all humanity, all humanity through the water, the waters of chaos, and then sending all the ills this demoniac, all that ills humanity back into the, the depths of the watery chaos again. And this man is, is absolutely made whole. He gains his identity. He gains his personhood, his, his humanhood, his ability to relate, and his ability to love and to follow Jesus, to make those kinds of decisions and choices. And he comes to Jesus, says, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, no, I want you to stay here. And you tell what the Lord has done for you. Now, we could leave it there. 
we could absolutely leave the story right there and assume that the man went about his business, that he had a, um, a, a whole life and lived happily ever after in the Decapolis and, and, and just got along fine. But let's push a little further. And let's push it to the point that the man goes back to the Decapolis, to where he lived, and he begins to tell people what the Lord did. Healed him of all of his ills and cast out the spirits and demons that waged war on him and stripped him of everything and made him pain in pain and in shame and gave him his identity and his humanity back. And then later, when Jesus returns to this area and Jesus feeds 4,000 people in the Decapolis, people who followed Jesus, people who wanted to follow Jesus and wanted to make that choice and see for themselves and hear for themselves and experience for themselves the Lord. What if this once demoniac, this once madman living in an unclean place in death, in pain and in shame, was there? And because of what he did, allowed others to come and experience the same. All in Gilead. Because as we can learn from Jeremiah and as we can question with Jeremiah and as we can learn with the demoniac and legion and we can learn with the disciples that yes, the Lord is with us beyond the walls, beyond the rubble that was our wall and is with us to offer a balm, a peace, a healing to relief and salvation where we least expect it, where it most surprises us, and where we need it most. In all of our lives, our life together as individuals and as a community, we too, if we are honest, can say that our name was Legion and that we were stripped of our humanity, we were stripped of our identity, and we lived in pain and shame but we were given an encounter with Christ. And that encounter offers peace, wholeness. It offers us humanity as we were created to be. And our identity as a follower of Jesus Christ, one of God's own children. And when we recognize that and we embrace that identity, what will we do? What is our response to go live happily ever after and never speak of it again? Or to tell all that we see and where we live, even when we are beyond the walls or we're within the walls, to tell who all will hear so that when there's the next encounter with Christ, thousands, thousands will experience, will hear and see because we were willing, we were willing to choose to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of God, and offers us wholeness, peace, and healing beyond the walls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Together, let us join together in our affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.